It's time for JT the Brick. Receiver from the University of Colorado, number 21, Cliff Branch. We kick off the summer of Cliff Branch. Target drops back to pass. Steps up. He looks. Over the middle. He's got it. Touchdown Raiders. That's by Cliff Branch. The summer of Cliff. Cliff Branch. All summer long. JT the Brick. Prepare your phone call. I want Cliff content from you. They play fake back to pass. Get the big rush. Right. That'll cut the man. Favorite throwing deep for Branch. He's got it for 20. For 10. Touchdown Raiders. What separated Cliff was he was an amazing, meticulous route runner. As we count down to Cliff, the summer of Cliff on the flagship. And now, here's JT the Brew. All right, let's get this going. JT in studio today, Lotus Broadcasting, Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. and on the Raiders mobile app. Welcome to our summer of Cliff Branch. We have a bold vision here to build up Cliff Branch as he heads into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, coming up this August, and that's what we want to do every show that I'm on the rest of the summer leading up to that, including what we're going to be doing at training camp and all the other Raider content that could be out there. There is limited Raiders content right now, and I think that this is the perfect time to talk about Cliff Branch. So what I'd like from you, and I would appreciate from you, is that when you call into the show at some point, your phone call, to have something nice to say about Cliff. And simply this, what is the greatest memory you have of Cliff Branch, either as a player when you met him, what it means for him to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, what it means to the Raider brand, to get one of their legends in who waited far too long to get in. And let's just talk about Cliff, because he's looking down... He's ready to go to Canton, Ohio. It will be the largest induction ceremony in Raider history because of the Raider dignitaries and former players in attendance. I can comfortably say that, and it's that big of a deal. So we're the flagship station, and we'd like to do this for Cliff Branch. I don't ask for anything. I don't ask for favors. I want you to do this. If you can, it would really mean a lot to me that over the next couple of weeks, starting today, that you just have something to say about Cliff Branch because that's the only way this is going to work. I only have so many highlights to play. We'll be interviewing his former teammates. Jeff Hostetler is supposed to check in either today or tomorrow. Uh, Freddie Bolitnikoff's confirmed. Marcus Allen is confirmed down the road. We're going to have every one of Cliff's, not every one of them because he played for three Super Bowls, but we're going to have some of his best friends and most important teammates Come on in and talk about his legacy and his career, and that's why I'm calling it the Summer of Cliff. The rejoins the openings, what we're trying to do here, in association with Elaine Branch, Cliff's sister, Mark Davis, who's hosting the party, and everybody else who's going, we'd like to build it up. Because no other team in the NFL does this for their players. Nobody. There's not a radio show in America. There's not a summer of Tony Baselli. He's getting in. They're not doing a summer of Leroy Butler. They're not doing this anywhere in the country. We are the only show in the country paying tribute now before the 4th of July all the way into August for one of the greatest players in Raider history who was a very good friend of mine, someone who brought me under his wing and made my life a lot easier. Being able to navigate through a Raider game with Cliff Branch be able to go on the road with him in London, to be able to go on the road with him in the NFL, in the States here, really had a big impact on my life. And I, like many, were devastated to find out the news when he passed away unexpectedly, knowing that he was eventually going to go and get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, knowing eventually he would, but still shocked to this day that he won't be with us in August in Canton. His family will be there, his friends, and everybody else. And, and you're his friend. Right? If you ever met Cliff at a signing, 
I don't care where it was, a Raider image, a Walmart, a grocery store, something big at an awards night or just bumped into him on the road, Cliff would stop what he was doing and talk Raiders with you. I don't know of anybody that I remember who would light up as quickly. You know, some of these guys in all the sports, not Raiders, but in every sport, you know, you get to someone in their 60s or 70s and you ask for an autograph and you ask for a picture. A lot of people get very uncomfortable. And, and players don't want to do that anymore. A lot of them because they're getting up there in age and they've been doing it for 30 or 40 years. Cliff wasn't that guy. Cliff loved it. Cliff wanted to be known and seen. And he deserved it. He loved the image of the Raiders and his career. And he knew it was a Hall of Fame career. And unfortunately, they made him wait too long. So I have the blueprint of how to do these shows because we did it with Tom Flores. Tom Flores waited way too long to get in. And we said on the air here... Let's not get too into that topic. Let's not sit here and talk about why isn't Coach Flores in. Once he got in and we knew he was getting in, we celebrated it. And it turned out to be an unbelievable party. One of the great rooms I've ever been in is I got a chance to emcee that party and I introduced all those gold jackets. And no one was sitting around in that room going, hey, man, Coach Flores should have got in 20 or 30 years ago. We all knew. We all knew that it was a misjustice. We all knew that it was a wrong wrongdoing by the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but we put it behind us. Everybody went in there and celebrated Coach Flores. We can do this on the radio with Cliff. We can talk about why Cliff didn't get in, but I really want to build up to Canton and the party and talk about his great moments and what distinguished Cliff Branch as one of the most important Raiders of all time. I know Raider fans that put him on the Mount Rushmore. You can only have four on the top uh, Mount Rushmore. I think he's borderline, borderline Mount Rushmore with the Raiders because he won three Super Bowls. He played in three eras of Raider football with the Bolitnikoff era when he came in and was fantastic and learned underneath Fred Bolitnikoff in that era. And then the Jim Plunkett Super Bowls and the two different teammates. Think of the teammates that he had who are already in the Pro Football Hall of Fame and think about some of the teammates... That were really important to him, like Matt Millen, who's not in the Hall of Fame, Phil Villapiano. Go through the list of players who are borderline discussion Hall of Fame guys and are not in. And then you go to the relationship with Mark Davis. That's one of the cool perks that I have with this job. Now, people say, what's the perks you have with the Raiders? Well, being in private settings with Mark Davis and Cliff Branch to see how Mark and Cliff were best friends and had that relationship. George Atkinson, one of the most important people in my life, on and off the radio, was best friends on his side with Cliff. And when I think of George, I think of Cliff. When I think of Cliff, I think of George. My wife laughed. We were in Amsterdam two weeks ago, and she told the Cliff and George story that we were in London for a Raider trip to London, and Cliff and George were in the lobby of the hotel we were in in London, all dressed up, taking the train to Amsterdam. That, that was going to be their getaway day. And we were laughing. They were so excited to go. And they came back an hour later, and they missed the train. There's only one or two trains going, and they missed it. So they had to go back the next day. But there were like two kids in the lobby waiting to go to Amsterdam. And I, I just remember their friendship. I also remember seeing Willie Brown and Cliff Branch in Mark Davis's box during games. Willie, arguably Mount Rushmore greatest cornerback of all time, one of them, And Cliff, one of the great wide receivers of all time, going back and forth on coverage. So if someone scored on the Raiders, Cliff would tell Willie, Willie, what happened there? 
what happened in the secondary. And same with Willie. If someone scored for the Raiders, he would ask uh, Cliff about the route he ran and all of that. It was like going and getting a master's degree in Raider football. And then finally, getting to Fred Bolitnikoff. You know, Fred's like a second dad to me. I talked to Fred today. I talked to him almost every day. And to know that Fred got into the Hall of Fame so long ago, and Cliff's getting in now. Think of Cliff and Freddie going to the Hall of Fame for 25 years together, and all of those Hall of Fame ceremonies where Cliff was robbed, not being with a gold jacket on the dais, on top of the stage with Marcus Allen, Howie Long, and all those great players. I find it alarming that Ken Stabler had to wait and got in after he died. Cliff Branch had to wait and got in after he died. And they made Coach Flores wait till he was 83. Those are Raider injustices of the highest level. But the Stabler family is thrilled that Kenny Stabler's in the Hall of Fame, just like the Branch family is. So over the next couple of weeks, uh, depending on what show it is and who we have, there's just going to be times I'm going to ramble on and talk about Cliff. And I hope to go to the phones and have people there to help me, help me with Cliff and, and this celebration. What the hell else you want me to do in the summer for the next two weeks? Talk about Kyrie every day? I got a Kyrie guest today. I can do four hours of Kyrie Irving. You know, two here, two at night on my three-hour show. But we decided Bobby worked his ass off. We got some help with the Raiders to try to get this Cliff Branch party popping. So we'll get to that. Again, the number 702-365-9200. A couple other things. Congratulations to the Colorado Avalanche winning the Stanley Cup last night. They did it in impressive fashion. They were fantastic. Uh, they took the lead in the game. This is a 1-1 game. It's a game Tampa's at home, and they're hanging around in this game. Here's the game winner. Three on two for the Avalanche. Manson McKinnon back for Manson. Tapped over. Score! It's Arteri Lekkinen! It's a work of art! Lekkinen off the feed from Manson and McKinnon as tallied and gives the Avalanche a 2-1 lead. Abs Radio, that turned out to be the game winner. Tampa Bay just couldn't get a shot off in the third period. The defense was just incredible by Colorado. I mean, all you got to do to beat Colorado is put the puck on that a lot, and you might get it by their goalie because Tampa's goalie is one of the greats we've ever seen. But it didn't happen there. Colorado held on. They played a prevent defense, which was smart to do down the stretch. Plus, they were storming the Tampa end of the ice. They deserved that they're Stanley Cup champs. Two seconds. One second. It's over. They did it. They did it. The job is done. The Colorado Avalanche are Stanley Cup champions. And they will lift Lord Stanley a mile high. They're pouring off the bench. Colorado has defeated Tampa in six games to claim their third cup. Ladies and gentlemen, the cup is coming back to Colorado. Well, that's Avalanche Radio on the call. The big topic here today, we got the great insider, Gary Lawless, who's going to join us in about 30 minutes to break down this season and what the Golden Knights need to do to track them down. Golden Knights knocked Colorado out of the playoffs last year. The Golden Knights have been the better franchise the better franchise, you could say, for the last five years, and they didn't win the Cup. So as we look at this now, if you're a Golden Knight fan, you should be really optimistic that if Colorado can win the Cup, Vegas should be able to do it. But Vegas has got some problems now with the salary cap, some of the players that they have, the way they mismanage the salary cap, some of the issues that they have with aging players. I don't know. I think they can still win the Cup. 
but they're going to have to make some moves and get a little bit younger and figure out who they're going to keep, who they're going to extend, and who they're going to let go. But I know one thing, Mr. Foley is completely committed on doing that. Speaking of the Avalanche, they're owned by Stan Kroenke, who also owns the L.A. Rams. So this year, Stan Kroenke has won two world championships, the Super Bowl and the Stanley Cup. Wow. That's impressive. Not only is he a multi-billionaire who's had success, but for him to have that opportunity to win a, a, a Super Bowl and a Stanley Cup back-to-back, man, that's hard to do. And remember, Stan Kroenke also owns the Denver Nuggets, and he has the two-time MVP on the roster in Nikola Jokic. So he's got some mojo going now. And I'm not a big fan of Kroenke. I'm not a huge fan of him the way he left St. Louis, some of the issues behind all that. But, you know, look, got to tip my cap. I always tip my cap to the people who deserve it and Stan Kroenke. Definitely deserves it there. 702-365-9200 as we open up with Michael in Vegas. Michael, thanks for waiting. You're up first. Go ahead. What's happening? Hey, JT. Hope you're staying cool in this heat here. Oh, I, I'm trying, my friend. Backyard brick in the pool after the show. What do you got for me? Hey, so I just wanted to first off say I couldn't be more excited for this season. I'm uh, really looking forward to what Josh McDaniels can do, and I just I love to see that uh, – not only the sports books, but everybody is, is doubting us once again with those uh, over-under win totals. Uh, but in terms of Cliff Branch, just wanted to uh, share a little story here. Yes. I've lived in Vegas my whole life. Back in, uh, I want to say, 2009 maybe, I, uh, I went and got a root canal, and uh, my face was completely numb. At least on one side, I couldn't speak right. My food was falling out of my mouth. So I go down to the Walmart on Fort Apache, to go get some liquids, things like that. Go in there, and who do I see? Cliff Branch there has got a booth set up signing. I couldn't be more excited, and then I realized, oh, great. I look like a look like an idiot with half my face not working here. Uh, so I was embarrassed at first, but mustered up the courage to go ahead and make my way over there. Uh, had my mouth covered, kind of let him know what was going on, and he couldn't, be, he couldn't have been uh, more great about it. He uh, acted like it was nothing. He, he laughed it off with me as well. We talked a bit about some old Raiders stuff. He was super informed on the team as it stood now, well, at least at the time in 2009. We went back and forth, had a great conversation, uh, got, got a picture signed and took a picture, and uh, that is, that's one thing that always stick to me. I, going and seeing Cliff Branch uh, in a Walmart while I couldn't even speak right. Nice. He's a kind guy. I appreciate the call, and thanks for calling in and sharing a Cliff story. Walmart on Fort Apache. Not too far from my hood. And Cliff would be there with a table, and he would sign autographs. Why? Because that's how he made his living. You know, a lot of guys, Pete Rose, who's a big part of my career, he makes his living by signing his name. Cliff did that too. And obviously Cliff passed away in Arizona in between a signing, unexpectedly, which was really tough to handle because he was out there working. He was working. He was signing. People wanted to be around Cliff Branch. Raider Day! Oh, Raider D. That's what I like to hear. How are you, D? I'm doing fine, man. How you doing? It's always a pleasure talking to you, JT. I got an interesting story. I'm a, I was a young guy living in Louisville, Kentucky in the early 70s growing up. There's only, you know, not a lot of teams you saw on TV. I fell in love with the Raiders at, you know, 77, 78. Cliff France was a, was a standout player. The way he ran his routes, his hands, his speed was unbelievable. At the pleasure the Raiders used to do this thing, and I, don't, and I hope that the team starts to do this again, called the Raider Becca. I'm sure you're familiar with it, where you would go to Oakland, you would meet, you would go to the training facility, 
and you would meet some of the players and they would sign autographs. And I remember being there. I, I bought one of the leather, the black leather helmets, old school helmets that had the Super Bowls on it. And I was going to the table. I was one of the last guys. And uh, Mr. Branch signed my helmet, and I just stood there, man. And, and, and I was in my 20s, and I'm sitting there like I was eight years old again because he actually sat and talked to me, man. I'm sitting there thinking to myself, Cliff Branch is having a conversation. He 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 was such a down to earth dude. Yeah, he was. It made me respect him even more because you know, as a fan, you don't you don't. Some of these guys are just you know are not as friendly as you would think they would be when you first. But Cliff Branch was an amazing individual. I mean, he talked to me for about seven or eight minutes. The guys behind me were looking at me crazy, but man, I I really am so happy, and I'll be there. As oh, a, you're going at the Hall of Fame game. I'll be there for his. I've never been there before. Awesome. But for him, I'm going. How cool is that? So you're going, you're going to Canton, you'll be there for all of this. Oh, absolutely. Awesome. I have to. It's, it's, it's Cliff, man. Come on. I love that. It's a pleasure, I, I, man. Great show, brother. It's thank always you. always a pleasure talking to you, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, you know, that's really important to me, that people are going to come. It is not easy to travel now. It is not. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm doing some radio out of state. I got a bunch of shows this week, and, you know, I'm trying to buy a plane ticket here and there to go to L.A. and this and that. I'm like, what's going on? And it is tough, and it's tough to get back to Canton. So if you haven't made your plans yet, I would fly into Cleveland if you can't fly into Canton, renting a car, and going with a bunch of people. And I think, and I'm pretty accurate because I can't give away everything because I don't know everything, but I think this is going to be the closest thing we see to Raider Mecca. They talk about Raider Mecca and Bakersfield or Oakland. I had the pleasure of emceeing. You know, at Lake Merritt, the Raider rallies. If you've ever been to a Raider rally, raise your hand and beep your horn. 8,000 people in Lake Merritt. This is what this is going to be like. It's going to be a Raider rally in Canton because Mark Davis is all over this thing. This is no joke. And it was never a joke with anybody else. Don't take, don't misconstrue what I'm saying. But this is the, this is the perfect storm. For the Raiders, because the fact that Cliff didn't get in, the fact that Cliff is passed, the fact that the Raiders are playing in Canton, right? And the, and on top of it, he's Cliff's best friend, the owner. So with all that combined, no one needs to apologize for this being Raider Mecca for Cliff Branch, because can you imagine if he was alive? Can you imagine if Cliff was alive, taking off that pinstripe suit, on the night where he gets his gold jacket and Mark putting it over his shoulder and putting it on him, and Cliff standing there with all three rings up in the air, standing ovation at the gold jacket dinner, that's not going to happen. But there'll be someone with the family there for that, and Mark Davis will take over from there and make it unbelievable. So I love it. We're off to a good start. Summer Cliff. As we continue, and let me see, is that sawed off in San Diego, where I'll be, I believe, next week? How are you? What's happening? Hey, JT, how are you, man? I'm doing good, good thank you. Guys. Hey, so um, for the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years, I've been the uh, director of entertainment for the Raiders fan convention. And um, I, I get weird calls all the time from people that I don't recognize and weird numbers. And I remember one time I was driving to Phoenix. I'm out in the middle of the desert, and I get this phone call. And um, I hear, what up, Sardoff? I want to talk to Sardoff. I was like, who's this? And he goes, man, it's Cliff. And I was thinking to myself, and then I, I said an expletive, right? On, I go, yeah, right, Cliff, B, Branch, or what? And he goes, yeah. And I thought, oh, dang, <laughs> that's probably Cliff Branch. I better stop playing around. <laughs> but um, 
we got to be pretty good friends uh, throughout the years. You know, he's done a lot of shows for us. He he would come out all the time, and, and you know, I had a, I had a, many opportunities to sit down and just talk with him. You know, I, just as a man, just as a person. But I asked him one time. <clears throat> I said, um, "Hey, Cliff, you know what made you so prolific? What made you so great?" And he said, "Are you kidding me?" He goes, "I would go to practice, and I would face Willie Brown. I would face." Mike Davis, I would face Lester Hayes, I would face, man, when Sunday came around, it was cake, yeah. start off, and I was like, man, a perfect answer, man, and uh, Mike, uh, Mike Davis is the one that called me the mm-hmm. day that Cliff died, I was in Oakland, I just rolled up to a sushi, a sushi spot, and uh, Mike calls me and says, hey, man, did you hear about Cliff? I was like, nah, he goes, man, he, he just passed away, I was like, wow. All right. And I just had to hang up and I sat in my car. I sat in front of in the parking lot there and I just cheered up and I started crying for, yeah. I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. But, um, yeah, good talking to you guys. Good sharing Thank you, my man. Story. Off. Appreciate I it. Appreciate Will time. you be in Canton? Are you going to go to Canton? No, I have to work. I got a whole bunch of stuff going on. I wish I was there. I all right. wish I was. You'll but. be there in spirit. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. And uh, that's all I wanted to do today. We're off to a great start. We got three phone calls on Cliff Branch today to start off our summer. Cliff, we'll have exclusive content, sound bites. We'll have interviews with former teammates. And we'll just keep it going. And we're excited about that because this is the least I can do for my friend Cliff Branch. The least I could do is host the radio show, and our flagship station here gets it. The the other shows are going to be talking about it, too, and it's going to be a a tough time for a lot of people. You know, when when he just said that, I cried like a baby when he died. When I got the phone call from the Raiders and they told me, I I think I cried for 10 minutes after it hit me and came through me. It It was about 10 minutes of shock, and then I looked back on my phone and saw the last text message I had with him was two days before that. And, you know, guys guys have a tough time saying I love you and, you know, this and that. And, you know, guys are all different when it comes to that. But that was a guy I truly loved. And, again, I got some good quality time with Cliff over my 20-plus years as he was alive and with the team. And I'm going to miss him terribly, but I think this event's going to bring a lot of peace to a lot of people on the other side. So I think people are going to go there looking for some peace, not closure, But who doesn't want to be in the building when Cliff Branch gets inducted and what that's going to look like? 702-365-9200. We're brought to you by PTs, the best happy hour in town. I went with my good friend and executive at PTs to the Primus concert on Saturday night. My buddy Ross and I went to see Primus pay tribute to Rush. Farewell to Kings. That was one hell of a night. On the way back, we stopped off at a PTs for one more. And then I had a wild Uber ride home. I'm not going to really dive into it, but one of the I took a Bobby. I took a Uber ride from deep, deep, deep Henderson into the mean streets of Summerlin with kind of like a race car driver Uber guy who's explaining to me he's a race car driver and he drives Ubers and you know I, I'm always buckled up, always be buckled up when you're in a car, and that was an interesting ride home. He did not get a five star review. It was, uh, he did not get a five-star review, but you know, you don't want to drink and drive, so make sure you get someone to take you home, and uh, we had a good night. That was a fun time at Virgin. I'll also get into what we're doing with Virgin Hotels as they're a new proud partner of the show. So that's it. The Summer of Cliff is off to a good start. When we come back, 
what Warren Sapp said about Colin Kaepernick is breaking the internet. Is Sapp right or is he wrong? You'll hear the audio from the Hall of Famer who's had a really rough run of it lately. A very rough run of it. Is this to get him back into the media or is this going to hurt Sapp even more? Kaepernick worked out for the Raiders and supposedly Warren Sapp has a lot to say about it. That's next on the flagship of the Silver and Black. Here's another different formation. Barnwell and Branch to the left, and Allen was split to the right. And it's Branch for touchdown. Anthony Washington, the defender. That was a quick move he made here. Yes, sir. Watch Plunkett. He sees him right now. He says, I got him. Press right over there and drill it in there to Cliff Branch wide open. Oh, that's so good. Summerall and Madden in the Super Bowl clip. Touchdown. Nice job to have that. That's some good play-by-play of Cliff Branch as the summer of Cliff begins today. Uh, exclusive Raider coverage of Cliff Branch's induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame later on in August. If you want to get in and comment on Cliff and the impact that he had on you, I'm pushing this hard. So we need support from the Raider Nation every day that I'm on this week. 702-365-9200. Deshaun Watson's disciplinary hearing uh, starts tomorrow, which is going to be a big deal. Uh, We're going to touch on that news, if there is news, of exactly what's happening. It seems like the Wall Street Journal, there was a columnist who leaked or gave opinions that the NFL is looking for a minimum of a one-year suspension for Deshaun Watson, which is huge because a year would wipe out another year of his career. Last year, his career was wiped out. And what's going to get interesting is this is Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk is the only one who's covering this story on a daily basis. And he works for Sunday Night Football, and that's a partner of the NFL. And Florio is coming in really hard. So he wrote a column today, How Independent is the NFL's New Disciplinary disciplinary Officer? The union and the league changed the process under the personal conduct policy for determining the punishment imposed on a player who violates its terms. Here's what didn't change. The commissioner, Roger Goodell, still has final say over whatever is done. As long as the new disciplinary officer imposes any discipline at all on the player. The new procedure will play out for the first time this week with the NFL. Ultimately led by Roger Goodell proposing a punishment of Deshaun Watson. The disciplinary officer jointly hired and paid by the league, and the union will preside over the hearing and make a decision. And if any discipline is imposed, the commissioner will then have the power to impose the discipline that the NFL, ultimately led by the commissioner, wanted in the first place. So the union pushed back now. The union represents the players. Well, they're going to push back on this one year. Is they're going to want to talk about Robert Kraft's alleged violation that was dropped what's currently going on with Daniel Snyder in front of Congress and his subpoena. And the union simply wants to know, are the punishments fair? Are the punishments the same for owners as they are for players? And I wouldn't think so. 
I think the players are going to get more of the punishment than the owners who are going to have a lot more leeway for obvious reasons, like it or not. So this is going to be the first test, and that's why I think he's going to get a year because they don't want, they can't get this one wrong. You can't get this one wrong. He's the first ever player to get $230 million guaranteed. He's the face of a franchise. There is no doubt he cannot be charged criminally, so he's not going to go to jail. But on these civil cases, if he settles... He's admitting to some type of wrongdoing of lewd behavior. And when you get the, look, if this was a backup cornerback that you never heard of and got a year, you wouldn't care. But being a face of the franchise and Deshaun Watson, who's not a good player, he's a great player. This is a really important topic. Uh, Mike Florio writes that this comes down to other information regarding investigations conducted or discipline imposed on Commander's owner Daniel Snyder, Patriots owner Robert Kraft, and or Cowboys owner Jerry Jones. That could be enough to get the NFL to exercise its unilateral right to fire the individual involved with one of the decisions here. So I don't know what's going to happen. We're going to monitor this story this week and see if anything comes down. Now let's move to Warren Sapp. And before we play the soundbite of Kaepernick and what he said on a podcast, Warren currently is a really troubled human being. Okay, He's destroyed his career as a former player. And I just saw him. And he was at a Raider game last year in the Wind Club. And it was good to see him there. He was a great player. I think he's on the Mount Rushmore of defensive tackles all time. All time. He's one of the top three to four defensive tackles. And he played hard for the Raiders. I never criticized Warren Sapp when he was a Raider. I thought he played his ass off on some teams that weren't very good. But then his transgressions at the Super Bowl and what he got caught doing, and then some of the issues, and he's going through a rough phase in his life here. He lost his job in media with NFL Network, and he really doesn't have a lot going for him. So I don't know why he went on this podcast, but he was asked, and I'm not going to say he was ambushed because there was questions asked before this question, but it came around to the Kaepernick workout that he recently had with the Raiders. I mean, do you see Kaepernick coming back? I mean, he no. he tried out no. with the Raiders recently, but I heard the tryout wasn't all that great. I heard it was a disaster. I heard it was one of the worst workouts ever. I'm wondering how the hell this happened and the tape didn't get out, right? I mean, somebody wasn't over the, over the fence or nothing? Come on, man. We, we live in a world right now where you put a drone up. Hey, it ain't like they can stop you. They ain't going to stop the workout. Tell me there's a drone up here. We don't know who this is. I mean, what? Come on. Let's let's, let's run this. They don't even send them up the, the, the ladder anymore. You know, we used to go out to practice. Send the guy up the thing. He's shooting practice off. <laughs> Unbelievable. So from hearing that soundbite, Kaepernick's agent, uh, Jeff Nelly, nevertheless responded to Sapp's claim, quote, I guess Warren didn't talk to the general manager or the head coach. He told that to Pro Football Talk. I spoke with the GM, Dave Ziegler, several times, and he said they all thought Cap was in great shape and threw the ball really well and encouraged any team to call him about the workout, and he would tell them the same. I'm surprised Warren would say that because it's not true, and you would think he would want Cap on a team. Sap also said that he was wondering how the hell that happened and the tape didn't get out, maybe that's because it didn't happen the way he said it did. Maybe that's ultimately because Sapp is trying to carve out a new niche for himself in sports media, given that he pissed away the last one that he had. So I agree with Kaepernick's agent. 
I don't know anything about the workout. It was closed-door workout. So for Sapp to think a drone's going to fly inside in that building, it shows you how out of touch Warren Sapp is. Secondly, I did talk to someone in the building who said they saw Kaepernick, and he was a freak in regards to being in shape. That's the only thing I've added. I, I didn't see the workout. I don't know anybody who was at the workout. Uh, that's up to Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels to comment. And they made their comment. Josh McDaniels did at a press conference, and they said they'll talk about the players when they make the team. So I think it hurts for Warren Sapp, an African-American Hall of Famer, to slow down any momentum that Colin Kaepernick might have had with a good or average workout. If it was a really bad workout, that would have got out. I don't think it was. It's tough to have a bad workout when you're in shorts and throwing the ball to guys who aren't covered and wide open. But this is getting a lot of news today. A lot of people are talking about this and wondering why would Sapp do this. And I think Sapp's doing it because he hasn't been stable in the media. And as Kaepernick's agent pointed out, that he's trying to carve out a new niche in media. Well, there is no niche in media unless you want to go to some of these blog or podcast companies that are run by idiots. That are just run by idiots who have a bunch of people on their podcast and blogs who've never seen anything. And they're just dummies. And all they do there is just rip on other people, make fun of other people, and hurt other people. Because there's a niche for that in this industry now. you got a bunch of bombastic people trying to get into the media. And what I call, they're trying to cut the line. So they'll go to a podcast company or a new, ready, old media, new. They'll go to a new media company and go, oh, I'll be an idiot. I'll be an idiot. Can I be an idiot? Get, get, get me a camera, and I'll be a jerk and an idiot. Next thing you know, they got 100,000 Twitter followers, and they got a quarter of a million. They pour mustard over their head. They dive into a pool naked. They do something, and then become the newest members of the idiot brigade that there seems to be room for in sports media. So what is the last move for Warren Sapp? Warren Sapp had high-profile media gigs. High-profile, and he blew them up because he couldn't handle his personal life. And has had a lot of negative accusations against him, including the one at the Phoenix Super Bowl. So when it comes to solicitation, when it comes to getting in trouble, when it comes to being an embarrassment, I can say this and I could talk to Warren and have him on the show because everybody knows this. Warren Sapp losing his career in media is clear and obvious, just Wikipedia. But why would he do this to Kaepernick? Especially that Warren is not inside that rate of workout. He's not a coach. He's not, maybe he talked to someone who might have said in jest it wasn't great. But for Warren to go out of his way and do that, and as we played you the sound, it wasn't taken out of context. It was a fair question to Warren Sapp, and he blew up Kaepernick. And I've evolved on Kaepernick. I think Kaepernick should have an opportunity to be a backup quarterback in the league. He's not a starter. He hasn't played forever. He's not a starter. But if you become a third string or a backup and the starter gets hurt, you're playing. So does Kaepernick deserve that opportunity? Yes, he does. Because there's too many backup quarterbacks in this league who don't have the skill set of Colin Kaepernick. I never thought Kaepernick wanted to come back and play. Because I thought he wanted to stay with his role of being a civil rights leader in his mind or someone who was going to try to talk about issues that have to do with so many social injustice issues. He's got a big platform to do that. He's been paid at a high level by other companies to do that. Does he really want to play football? And he had a workout. No one knows how it went other than Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels. The rest is pure speculation. 
If you want to comment on that, 702-365-9200. Summer at Cliff Branch. We got off to a good start. Let's keep it that way. Gary Lawless joins us coming up next, the Vegas Golden Knight Insider. As we put a bow on the end of hockey season and talk about what the Golden Knights need to do to take their game to the next level. Brought to you by the Botanist Gin. The new refreshing gin brought to you this summer. Try Botanist. Wow, how about that? Colorado wins the cup. Arrival of VGK. JT, back with you as I get a chance to talk to one of the premier broadcasters, NHL insiders, our own here in Vegas. Gary Lawless, kind enough to join us, and I hope I'm getting you in a good time this summer because the offseason didn't start for you. You cover this sport around the clock. It ended last night. Put a bow around it for me on the Stanley Cup for Colorado. They were the best team uh, that... Uh... Uh, you know, I never believed the King is going to be dead until he is dead, and uh, they they beat the best team. John Cooper talked about it, you know, said, we, you know, we had a good team. We did all kinds of great things to get where we were, but they, they bettered us. That was his quote. They bettered us. And, uh, and I was cheering for Tampa. I liked, um, I liked what they've accomplished, how they've accomplished. I liked their team. I wanted to see them win three in a row, and uh, my wife and daughter were cheering for Colorado, and they were making fun of me in the third period last night because I I didn't believe it was going to happen until until it did. Give Colorado credit; their third period last night was a clinic. Uh, Kale McCarr was the best player in the playoffs. Uh, you know their goaltending was okay; they didn't need it to be fantastic. It was interesting to see Vasilevsky when he after. The lightning finally left the ice. ABC showed the feed, and he was furious when he got off the ice. I think he thought that uh, he had done his part and his teammates had not done theirs. I think the lightning ran out of gas. They just looked tired and beat up, and uh, the cost, that the price that they paid to get as far as they did eventually exacted its toll. And uh, um, do not go gently into that good night. They did not go gently but they went. Gary Lawless joins us. Great analysis, because when you win two cups in a row and you're in the cup final, can you talk about the amount of energy that they spent on their bodies and their health and playing longer into the season, shorter off seasons? Because it looks like that caught up to them. They were just gassed in a couple of games, but found their way to get to game six. Very impressed by their effort. For sure. You know, you take Braden Point out of their lineup and it really sucked a lot of their offense out of their game. They played on their heels so often in that series, whereas Colorado was on its toes. And you just, you know, you just saw every time one of the one of the Lightning blocked a shot, he'd go to the bench, and the wear and tear adds up. The mm-hmm. bruises, they they uh, on top of bruises, on top of bruises. Those they blocked shot, and they'd go to the bench just in dire condition and they just look slow and it, they're not a slow team they played slow they looked slow and colorado looked fast 
all the time. So uh, that's team one. And uh, now the interesting thing for the Avalanche, they got a whole bunch of free agents, restricted free agents. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Sackick has, you know, they're going to have a parade, you know, probably in the next couple of days. And then he has got to get busy if he wants to, uh, you know, the genius in Tampa has been able they've been to six, six conference championships in the last eight years and won been one, two, two of the last three cups, uh, being able to do it again and again and again has been their genius. Joe Sack got to the top of the mountain. Can he stay there? Gary Lawless is our guest. So let's talk about the VGK matchup roster for roster now, assuming that VGK is going to make some changes here, some extensions, sign some players, let some players go, and they've helped eliminate Colorado in the past, not too recently. What encourages you about the Golden Knights and the matchup with Colorado going forward? Well, you know, you watched Vegas this year in the regular season has beat up as they were. They played Colorado really hard. And there was a belief within the organization that if Vegas could get healthy at some point in time, uh, you know, early in the playoffs, if they could get into the playoffs, they would, they would be able to give Colorado all they wanted. I think the Golden Knights, for whatever reason, they match up really well against the Avalanche. Now, that may change a bit. Kale McCarr is going to become even more confident and uh, he's established himself as one of the best players in the world, probably the best defenseman in the world right now. Uh, how Vegas matches up against the Avalanche going forward, that's a, it's a fascinating question. Now let's see what both rosters look like next year. You know, you take Kadri, Nachushkin, uh, Kemper, uh, all possibilities to walk from from the, the from Colorado. You take them out of that roster, and what will they look like? They like they. The guys that are coming back will, for sure, will be uh, uh, McKinnon, mm-hmm. Landeskog, Makar. You know like that that they've got that great core for sure. But like they've got a ton of guys that that may be gone. It, it how they match up remains to be a mystery. Now Vegas has got some work to do as well, you know, and that's why. Uh, it's hard to say what these two teams will look like when they see each other next year, but uh, Vegas's core still, they've got more players locked up than, than the Avalanche. And uh, uh, I still think the Golden Knights going in, going into next year are going to be considered a contender. We'll see what Joe Sackett does this summer because they're the champs today, but it, it only lasts for a couple of days and then it's a new year. Does the speed disparity, is it that big of a deal, or are the Golden Knights fast enough to stay with Colorado, assuming both rosters are similar from what we're talking about today? Does Vegas have to get faster, in your opinion? No. No, okay. you, know, you look like, you know, Eichel is as fast as anybody. Carlson is a, is a brilliant skater as well uh, on the blue line. Uh, you know, Shea Theodore, he's not as powerful as, as McCarr, but he's still... Uh, uh, fantastic skater. Now, Vegas isn't slow by any stretch of the imagination. They looked slow this year because they were hurt, <laughs> but they're not a slow team. Uh, and I expect, um, you know, has some of the younger blood, you know, maybe Miramanoff ends up playing more games in the NHL this year. Let's keep an eye on Brendan Brisson. They're going to get, uh, they're going to have to get younger because of the cap. 
and that will add speed to their roster. Gary Lawless joins us as we wrap it up. So considering the way Canadians watch hockey and they watch it much more frequently than mainstream sports fans here in the States, what did you think of the move to ESPN with ABC? Supposedly more coverage on SportsCenter. I don't know if that was true or not, but having a Southeast team going up against another team in the middle of the country there in Denver did it catch on? Was it a great cup, in your opinion? Do you think it sold hockey on their newer platforms and took it to a next level? Well, we know it did on TNT, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, 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 Turner, their broadcasts were fantastic. And the best part for me was the amount of time they devoted to it. There was a half an hour pregame for every Turner game, and then the postgame, they went forever. And, and it was just like I, I couldn't turn it off. I just, it was night after night after night. It was tremendous. Now, and then the talent that they put together uh, after they used, you know, they had Ed Olchuk and, and Kenny Albert, and, uh, the, you know, very quickly their second team became, uh, you know, it, it included Shane Knighty down the stretch, mm-hmm. and he was tremendous. Yeah, he is. So uh, I really loved watching Turner. Sean McDonough and Ray Ferraro and Emily Kaplan were brilliant. I, I love the work that Emily Kaplan did. And you know what? The players bought into her on the bench. So did the coaches. Her questions on the bench, she got great answers. Uh, the players, they bought into her. She's going to be she's gonna be a star moving forward. Ferraro and McDonough, are, that, that's as good as it gets. I was really disappointed in the fact that there was no pregame show. Uh, like, you know, last night. You turn on ABC at at uh, five o'clock, and the game started ten minutes later. Right. Like, wh- why not have a pregame show from four thirty to seven? And if you can't have it on ABC, put it on ESPN or put it on ESPN two and get people to to flip the channel. You had to watch NHL Network. I was on holidays in the South uh, a couple a, a week ago, and the hotel didn't have NHL Network. I couldn't watch the pregame show. Uh, that, yeah. that, there was the, you know, that was disappointing. To me, so I, I think ESPN has a little bit of work to do um, in terms of. Uh, but I, I'm told the NHL was thrilled. What the uh, there were some nights where you you'd turn on SportsCenter and there was Scott Van Pelt interviewing Pat Maroon after the Lightning mm-hmm. won a game. You know that like you can't. That's as good as it gets in the United States, right? Like that's that's what you have in Canada with TSN and Rogers Sportsnet. So um, th- that part was fantastic. Uh, I, I think they got to work a little bit on their panel. Uh, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he, Turner's panel was by far superior. Like, wow. like that's not a, that's not an insult to anyone that worked on the, the ESPN panel. ESPN's got some talent. Brian Boucher, Ray Ferraro, who I just mentioned, uh, Sean McDonough, you know, they, they got some people that are really good at their job. I think they have to do a little bit better job packaging it. Nicely said. Where are you cooling off this summer? Will you be heading to Winnipeg overseas? Where are you going to cool off when we consistently get to 109 degrees? Well, I'm in Vegas. I'm in Summerlin today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just had, uh, I just did a bunch of work for Allegiant Airlines. I was in Destin, Florida for a week, and nice. then we did a two-week stretch, Asheville, North Carolina, to Charleston, South Carolina, and then to Savannah, Georgia. Oh, nice. And just got back and. Uh, uh, next up is the draft in Montreal, and then yes, there'll be a little bit of time in Manitoba, uh, cooling my uh, tootsies <laughs> by the lake. See you soon, my friend. Thanks for doing this today. I always appreciate you.
where uh, send my botanist to the press box. <laughs> I that, will. Uh, <laughs> I'm bringing it by. I'm bringing it by. I could walk to your home from Summerlin, so I'll bring it by, and we'll have an, we'll yeah. split it together. Okay. See you, Brick. Take, Take care. care. There he is, Gary Lawless, one of the best. National, Canadian, United States, Vegas Golden Knights. The guy's very good, very good. And look, if you're a Vegas Golden Knight fan, there's the team you got to beat, right there, Colorado. And they're going to come in next year to play in Vegas as Stanley Cup champs. And the Fortress better match that energy because they're coming in big. God, I can't believe they don't have a Stanley Cup already. The Golden Knights. But then again, I just saw it was the sixth birthday of Vegas Bond. Born, we haven't been doing this for 30 years without a cup. It's been pretty good. And there were a lot of excuses last year with the injuries. There were. But now they got to make a run. The run should have been this past year. They have the injury excuse. Now they got to get everybody healthy, get some better players, and make the run and beat Colorado.